We're ready for this. Me and Precious are good to go. This morning is the third in our series about mission. God's wonderful world has been ruined by sin, evil, and death. God is doing something about that. Hallelujah. You look around at the chaos around you. God is doing something about it. He has sent his son Jesus to deal with our sin through his death and resurrection. And one day, Jesus is going to come back and he's going to raise us from the dead and he's going to judge the world and he's going to go throw sin and evil and death out of the world and he's going to make everything new. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Would you be so kind? Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. We live in between Jesus' resurrection and Jesus' return. And God is working through all those who follow Jesus to take the good news about him wherever we go to the whole world, to confront evil, to bring healing, to bring change and transformation wherever we go. This is mission. In the first message, we thought about Jesus is coming back. Tick, tick, tick. How should we live now if Jesus is coming back again? In the second message, we saw that Jesus has made us ambassadors with, messages, with a message for the world. Today, we're going to think about what do we actually need to do right now? Now, this message starts its life back in a book that I read years ago called What Shall This Man Do? by a Chinese evangelist whose name is quite easy to remember. He was called Watchman Nee. And he wrote this book, What Shall This Man Do? And I don't remember anything about the book at all, at all, except chapter 3. And chapter 3 talked about sharing Jesus. And it totally changed the way that I thought about sharing Jesus with people. So if you want to think more about what I'm going to talk about this morning, chapter 3, Watchman Nee, What Shall This Man Do? Yeah? And it's available free on Google Books, I discovered, when I frantically tried to find it to read it in advance of this sermon. So today we're going to read some verses from John 1, and we're going to talk about them as we go. So firstly, can we have verses John 1, 35 and 36, please? Take a seat for a moment. This one is fairly simple. The first thing we need to do is to draw people's attention to Jesus. Yeah? That's the first thing we need to do. Most people do think about deeper things, at least sometimes. Maybe they don't talk about it with other people very much. But in the privacy of their own thoughts, when they're lying in bed or perhaps when something significant in life happens, people think and people ask questions. 
And some people do know a little bit about Jesus. But as the years go by, people know less and less about him. So everyone, or nearly everyone, thinks about the deeper questions, but lots of people don't talk much about spiritual things or about their deep questions with other people. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to allow people to see that Jesus is the most important thing in our life. At the very least, that will mean talking about him or mentioning him. Now, because people don't talk about spiritual things much, if you bring up spiritual things or if you bring up Jesus, that might feel a little bit awkward to you. Yeah? Oh, gosh, it's getting a bit deep. Why not cut for a shot? Not sure about this. And if you feel a little bit awkward, chances are the other person is going to pick up on that awkwardness, yeah? And they're going to go, oh, yeah, this is a little bit awkward. And you're both going to think, well, that was awkward, wasn't it? Probably shouldn't do this again. Just, just note to self, don't mention Jesus again. Or alternatively, we could give emotional leadership to the conversation. So if the other person goes, you can always say something like, yeah, I know people don't often talk about spiritual things, but I think it's really, really interesting, and Jesus is really important to me. I'd love to know what you think. Having a simple answer in your head, you can just calm it down and normalize talking about spiritual things. The point is this. We have a lot of control over whether the conversation feels awkward or whether we're calm and we make talking about spiritual things a bit more normal for the other person. So, step one, draw attention to Jesus. Next, let's have a look at verses 37 and 38. So, thank you, Archie. Sit down for a bit. Our aim in sharing Jesus with people is not to get them to agree with what we think about God. Yeah? That's not our aim. Our aim is not to get them to behave in the way we think Jesus would have them behave. Now, Jesus, of course, will change what we think, and he will change how we live, but all of that flows out of actually meeting Jesus for ourselves, yeah? If we haven't met Jesus, then nothing else is going to work. So our aim is to establish a living connection with the risen Jesus. Amen? That's what we're doing. We're actually wanting people to meet him. Yeah? We're not explaining. We are not persuading. We are introducing. Now, in these verses, John points to his disciples to Jesus so they can talk to him. They say, Jesus, him, over there. He's drawn attention to them. 
So then they have the opportunity to talk to him. Okay? So we've drawn attention to Jesus. Now they're going to talk to him. Can anyone see a problem for us if this is a model for us? We're not Jesus? Yep, we're not Jesus. So we want to get, we don't want them to talk to us, we want to get them to talk to Jesus. Where's the problem there? Sorry? Mm -hmm. How are we going to see Jesus? How are we going to hear Jesus? Jesus is invisible, and you can't hear him with your ears, which makes conversation a little bit difficult. So, of course, if we want to use these verses to show us how to introduce people, we're talking about prayer. We're encouraging people to talk to Jesus for themselves. We draw attention to Jesus, and then we encourage people to talk to him. Watchman Nee reminds us in his book that Jesus is the friend of sinners. So we see in these verses, you don't have to get it all theologically and behaviorally sorted out before you can talk to Jesus. Jesus will meet us right where we are. If we don't understand him, he'll meet us. If we're not living right, he'll meet us and engage with us. Jesus loves to interact with people who don't understand him or accept him. Because at the end of the day, of course, it's not about us looking for Jesus, but it's about Jesus looking for us. He comes to us, and that's really important. Perhaps the person that we're talking to doesn't understand Jesus. Jesus can help with understanding. Perhaps the person we're talking to doesn't trust Jesus. Jesus can help with faith. Perhaps the person we're talking to doesn't want to change. Jesus can help us with our desires that push him away. Jesus can help if we will just genuinely reach out to him. Here's how Acts 17 puts it. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from every one of us. God is looking for us to reach out to him in prayer. Even if we don't understand, even if we don't believe, even if we haven't repented, because Jesus can help us with all of those things. When I was started to seriously think about Jesus, I came to a point of realizing I can't work all of this out on my own. And I really, I mean, I've read, I've read quite a lot of the Bible, but I didn't understand it at all. And I certainly, I certainly was far from convinced that I really wanted my life changing. I mean, I was quite a good, a nice guy, but I suspected Jesus would make me a different kind of nice guy, the sort of nice guy I didn't want to be. So I, I didn't really want Jesus to mess around with my life too much. But something was happening in my heart, and one night, late in bed, I lay on my bed, and I simply said, God, if you're out there, I need to find you. And nothing changed immediately, but I tell you, that prayer worked. Yeah? Because although nothing changed immediately, four months later, I came to faith. I genuinely reached out to God, 
And he genuinely answered my prayer, not in the instinct, in the instant, but in a process over the next four months. Jesus heard me and Jesus helped me so that I could come to him. Jesus is the friend of sinners. I had another friend of mine called John. John was the son of a minister, but he didn't believe himself. And having grown up in the church, he had quite a lot of issues with God. And I remember one day, me and John had gone out to the coast, and he was telling me all of his many and complicated problems about God. And we ended up up above the fish key in North Shields, sitting on a bench looking up over the river. And I said to him, John, have you tried telling God about all of this? And he looked at me a little bit oddly, and I said, just, just tell him what you think. Don't use fancy language. Just talk to him like you would talk to, to anyone. And if stuff starts to come into your head as you talk to him, just go with it and see what happens. And so he gave it a try, and he began to pray out loud. And he began to tell God all of his problems and his complaints and his frustrations and his questions in fairly blunt and direct language. And as he prayed, I watched his perspective start to change in front of me. I just sat there, and he met with Jesus, and Jesus changed his mind. Now, he still hasn't come to faith, but I tell you, he met Jesus on the quayside that evening, and I watched it happen. Jesus is the friend of sinners, and if we can encourage people to genuinely reach out to him, even if they don't understand, even if they don't believe, even if they don't want to change, Jesus can help them to understand. Jesus can help them to believe. Jesus can help them to repent. We want to introduce people to Jesus so they can connect with him for themselves. Verse 39. Verse 39. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. So, John drew his disciples' attention to Jesus. They reached out and spoke to Jesus, so they began to hear and experience Jesus. And then, Jesus gave them an invitation. If they would respond, then they would see. Note, they would see. Not they would understand they would see three years later they still haven't really got it have they they're still struggling with what does all this mean how does it work but they'd seen Jesus they'd met him anyone spot another problem here if this is a model for us Yes, he's invisible. Yes, it's that invisible Jesus problem again, isn't it? So how are they going to see? In the Old Testament, where did you go to meet God? The temple. In the Gospels, where did you go to meet God? Absolutely. In the rest of the New Testament, where do you come to meet God? The Holy Spirit? Yep. Amongst his community. 
It's the church, isn't it? In the Old Testament, God's presence is manifest in the temple. In the Gospels, God's presence is manifest in Jesus. In the rest of the New Testament, you meet Jesus in amongst the community of his people filled with his spirit. The church is where the life of God is manifest on earth. And by the church, I don't just mean a Sunday morning worship service. But do invite friends to Sunday morning worship services. Do you remember? Who remembers Delvin and Emily? They were with us for a while. They got married here. And um, Emily invited loads of her friends who weren't Christians. And do you know what some of them said to Emily? They said, Emily, is your church like this most of the time? And obviously minus the Polynesian dance troupe. She said, yes, yes. Yes, it is like this most of the time. Do you know what they said to her? Emily's friends said to her, if church was like this, I'd want to come. I'm like, it's amazing. Note to self, inviting people to church might not be quite such a disaster. But lots of our friends won't feel ready to come to a church service, and that's fine. We can still invite them into our community because it isn't the service that manifests the life of Jesus. It's the spirit in us together as the community. That's why we have things like the big night in and the drop-in. Uh, Jesse and Brian and Stephen play tennis in the park and other people come and hang out with them. And all of these people give people a little glimpse, a little taste of Christian community. And people can come and see. I mean, look at us. Look around the room. It's bonkers, isn't it? We have retired Geordies. We have Brazilians. We have Africans. We have Kurds. We have Iranians. And we love each other. It's great, isn't it? God blesses us together. Where else are you going to find this? Where else are you going to find this? Come here and you will see what God is doing in his world. Bringing peace and transformation. It's lovely to have Haydar pray for us. In Kurdish. Bring it on. What's Kurdish, was it? Was it Farsi? Farsi. There we are. Close. Um, and praying for peace and reconciliation. Yeah, look at all the different cultures in this room. We are one family. You see it. You see it. Only God can do that. So that's a pretty powerful thing for most people to experience. Verse 40 to 42. Verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. 42. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So, first thing, we draw people's attention to Jesus. Second thing, we invite people to talk to Jesus by praying. Third thing we can do, we can invite people into our community where they can see his life in us for themselves. So these guys met Jesus, and you know what the first thing they did was? Look at Andrew there. He went out and introduced his brother to Jesus. That was the first thing he did. Friends, you don't have to be experienced, clever, knowledgeable, brilliant insightful, spiritual, to introduce other people to Jesus. You just have to have met him for yourself. That's all you need. 
And then you can say to other people, it's amazing. Try talking to them, see what happens. It really is very simple. Come, come with me and we'll, we'll, go and we'll go and hang out with some other people who know them. It'll be great. You'll have a fantastic time. That's all it takes. It's really, really simple. Off Andrew went, introduced his brother to Jesus. His brother was Peter. Peter was really quite a significant figure in the church. Jesus said to Peter, you are this rock, and on this rock I will build my church. That's a big deal. Peter only came to Jesus because Andrew brought him along. The Andrews are absolutely crucial. We have Andrews in this church. I pray for Andrews because Andrews, that's what you need. If people are going to start connecting, Andrews introduce other people to Jesus. That is a great and precious thing. So, how can we get mission, get practical in our church? We have to draw people's attention to Jesus by talking about him. We introduce people to Jesus by inviting them to pray. And we can invite them into our community so they can see his life in us. I hope, I hope that makes mission sound a little bit less complicated. Can we cope with that? Draw people's attention to Jesus, invite them to talk to Jesus, welcome them into our community. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we long for people to discover the joy and the love and the peace that we have found in you. And you have put each of us in a unique place in life with a unique group of people around us. And I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would help us to draw people's attention to you, to introduce people to you, and to introduce people into our community. Thank you that this is happening. Thank you. In two weeks' time, we celebrate six people who have met you and whose life has been changed by you. Please bless us. And help us all to be Andrew to those around us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.